Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special episode of Craft and Draft. If you're hearing this, what you're about to hear is one of our bonus episodes that has previously never been heard by anyone outside of our Patreon page. If you don't know what Patreon is, it is a way that you can support this podcast. It is the number one way you can support this podcast. We don't do ads and we don't accept any nefarious forms of support. We just accept what our fans and listeners give us in return for special PD opportunities and unreleased podcasts and so much more. So if you go over there and join our Patreon, you can join at the listener or listener plus tier. You get access to never before heard episodes. We're up to nine, which you're about to hear episode nine. So I suppose there's eight over there after you listen to this one. Several training videos that you can access, including the craft and draft setup. Um, our live training. And if you stay with us longer, you get access to questions that you can ask us directly, an amazing community, and truthfully, just a, a one of a kind presence in terms of professional development that is geared towards you. We do everything with our listeners. We're very proud of the work that we do over there. We have a wonderful little supporter community. So if you like this bonus episode and you want more Craft and Draft, go check us out on Patreon. You can find that link at Craft and Draft Workshop. Dot com at the very top, or you can just search Craft and Draft Podcast or Craft and Draft Workshop over there on Patreon. Thank you for considering it. But at the very least, if you do not go join us on Patreon because you don't have the money to toss our way, that is okay. Subscribe so you don't miss any other episodes. Leave a review of the podcast if you enjoyed this. And come back next week, as always, for another fantastic episode. Hey, Mocho, we're here with a bonus episode. We know the bonus episodes are only capable and possible because of our Patreon listeners. We try to make these a little bit more specific. We try to dive into uh, really in the weeds, you know, for the general podcast. We like to leave it a little bit more wide because we're reaching people that we don't always talk to, people that may be discovering us for the first time or people that are just kind of casual listeners. But our Patreon people are the most dedicated uh, the most focused, and so we want to thank them first. And that is Alicia, Brandy, Leah, Mark, Amy, Rebecca, Courtney, Carol, Melissa, Destiny, Natalie, Tracy, Hannah, Lori, and Jen. Uh, Lori and Jen being our latest supporters, so shout out Yay. to both of them. Um, hopefully, you guys are getting the bang for your buck. We are still. Uh, I feel like I say this on every episode. We're still thinking of new ways to kind of interact. We definitely need a forum or something to uh, kind of get us going on that sense. A little bit more capable for some of the people to jump into comments and whatnot. But in any case, we are answering a question today. And our question comes from Tracy. This is a little bit earlier. I had promised Tracy we'd get back to this uh, question. We answered her other one. Um a few episodes back kind of talking about handling, you know, when a district is pulling in a program that you're not really sold on and everything else. And so she had a second part to this that we wanted to dive into today, which is something I think all of us, if you haven't dealt with it yet, you're going to have to do it eventually. I think this might lead us into some other rabbit holes as we like to enjoy. Um, before I read the question, I want to say, sorry if you hear my son in the background. Uh, it is December 23rd, and they, him and my wife have been making chocolate-covered pretzels, so he's all sugared up at 9 p.m. 
<laughs> having the best time of his life. So if you hear him, that's what that is. But anyway, Tracy writes, I seek advice on running reading writing workshop in a co-taught sixth grade ELA classroom. I use a class novel as this seems to bring us together as a class and allows these students to practice oral reading and comprehension. We do a lot of guided writing. By the way, in 27 years of teaching, this class is the most difficult sixth grade class my team and I have ever taught. Their behavior is not good. Thanks. So let's hit on that last part first. We've talked about this on the show before. In fact, there's like a three episode series where it was just <laughs> you bringing the latest problem that you were dealing with. I mean, maybe it was a month long. I don't know. I we had a few. A, maybe two months long. Maybe. Oh. We, we definitely had a few episodes <laughs> where it was really kind of diagnosing your issues, which is well, always... <laughs> well, as a matter of fact, one of the, the principals, she asked me, she said, uh, you're not used to, you, you don't usually have classes like this one, do you? I'm like, no, I, I don't. don't. Think, I don't think anyone <laughs> has. And that's the crazy piece about it. But um, in any so let's hit on that last piece first. Just just that. Let's, you know, acknowledge it. I mean, it, so she's been doing it for 27. You got a little bit more years on that. I got a little bit less years. Um, and so Tracy is, she fits right in kind of with our little dynamic here. But, you know, when it comes to facing what is or feels like the worst behaved kids that have gone through school in a long time, you know, what... I mean, what what are even are your thoughts on that? Because I feel like it's the easy things to say, well, you know, COVID did all of this. And, but that isn't I mean, that's like a nice consolation, but it doesn't really help through kind of powering through or maybe not even powering through because that's probably a little bit unhealthy. But really like finding out ways <laughs> to position yourself in a way that is helpful to them, because we know that a lot of their behaviors are because they need certain things. They haven't had certain things. And so these behaviors are coming out in really strange ways. It's making public school struggle in a lot of ways. So what, what are even your thoughts on this? Because clearly I don't have a coherent one because I'm bouncing around from tangent to tangent. So I'm going to pitch it to you and uh, and just hear your thoughts as someone who is, you know, I'm dealing it on an administrative level. You're still in the classroom. What is it that that you think about about all of this now that we're in winter break? Well, uh, I think I think partially my classroom has been, if you will, not the not the death of these kids, but it's like I had one that just I mean, she got mad and yelled at me with curse words and I never saw her again. So those she walked out of my room. And, and so I've had several that like that. I think the parents don't know what to do, so they pull them out. She just disappeared after that. I call, I, 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 you know, I called contact with the parent. That's the first thing you have to do. And I'm not, I, you know, you get, I, I run out of time to do that because there's so many. So I, I usually, you know, kind of pick the one that I think will make the biggest difference. If I can get a hold of that person, you know, the ringleader, I try to make sure I get them first. And that was what I was doing with this one. And um, she got extremely mad at me. I don't even remember what it was over. Other than she walked in that way, I think she was mad about other things that had happened. And I think I just was the one who said the right thing, like, sit down, please. I think that's all I had to do. And uh, but do anyway, yep. And then I called, you know, I called home and they didn't, I left a message and then she never came back. They pulled her out of school. 
I don't know where she went. So that's the kind of stuff that's been happening. And I mean, I hate that. I mean, I kind of want to know how she's doing. Um, but it sure did make the class a lot nicer uh, because I, that was one person I didn't have to worry about. But uh, no, this year I've got one class that's just really rough. And then I have another one that has at least three or no. Well, we just added one. Uh, and this is my co-teaching class in the seventh grade. And uh, my co-teacher, uh, bless her heart, has gotten sick. So she had to be in the hospital. So I've been working with co-teach substitutes that don't know what to do. So they just sit in my room and watch me. And then I, I have to tell them what to do. So it's been an interesting year for me as well. But in that particular class, I've got about four students that are somewhere on the spectrum. And sometimes they, I have one that gets deregulated, if you will, or dysregulated, whatever you want to call it. But he, he uh, will come in something that will happen right before the other class, you know, before my class and he'll come in and all of a sudden he'll go, he he's interesting because he'll go straight to my bookshelves sit on the ground, put his head on one of the shelves, get a book and just turn into himself. And then I, once he does that, I can't get him to do anything else. So I have to kind of catch, you know, I have to work with him. And so it's been kind of interesting. It's, and then, you know, cause with him, if you don't do, if you, if you upset him in any way, then you've lost the whole class. Cause he starts yelling at everybody. <laughs> like I, this is why I don't like any of y'all. So it's been an interesting, interesting year. Uh, but my co-teacher and I, uh, we kind of tag team on some of those kids. You know, in other words, some respond to her way better than me. And so we just kind of take notes and figure out who that is. And then we will, we, we group them in different groups and work with them, like move them around the room. And, and we sit, you know, we, we try to like, like the ones that she works really well with and the ones I work really well with, uh, we'll put them, but we'll mix their groups. But like I might work with that one almost all the time and she'll work with the other one, but we'll mix the group so they get different at least different people to deal with, uh, to get them used to that. But right now they're all gone. They're like, when is she coming back? We miss her, you know? And um, so I, it'll be interesting because I think she'll be back in about, I think about two weeks after we get started. So what a year. I don't know what else to say. I probably went on a tangent there. No, I mean, it's so seeing the, co-teaching from a classroom setting you know i've had great co-teachers mm -hmm. one of them being uh malin banister who i mentioned my name simply because i've had her on uh teach me teacher you know she started out as my co-teacher right um you know she wanted to get out of that and go into her own class obviously i spoke highly of her and everyone else did too because she's amazing so she got her classroom she's never gone back she's one of the most incredible English teachers I've ever met. Um, but she, uh, you know, she was like a shining example of someone like that was a rare occurrence where like, I felt trustworthy to like, let her teach my class, like legit. Like I just kind of, I would step out or let her kind of do her thing and we would switch roles. Um, and that was kind of rare. This was before my workshop days, truthfully, but it was still of note. And I've also had, you know, where someone came in and <coughs> sorry, <coughs> I would, uh, 
I would just hope that that was the day she was going to go sit in the back of the classroom with her iPad because I did it. I had a few of those. You know, she just made things worse. (laughs) She would be too aggressive to kids or like be Mm -hmm. a tattletale and just make everything so aggressive. It's like, yes, I know these kids are turds sometimes. You don't have to. You're making it worse by being like whack-a-mole all the time. And so, yeah, um, So I've had the spectrum, but seeing it from a a principal standpoint has really been eye opening because Mm -hmm. like when I talk to kids um, and this is no joke, a lot of kids talk about the co-teachers as their favorite educators in a space. And I think that's interesting. Like when I'm just asking them, you know, how's the day going or who your favorite teachers are or, you know, what are what's going good? And they'll they'll mention kind of the co-teachers. And I wonder if it's. It's a more personal effect, I think, than what I'm seeing kind of as an AP. And what I mean by that is as an AP, I, I've talked about on the show how I'm I'm able to build relationships in so many different capacities uh, that are different than the classroom. And I, I wouldn't even I wouldn't say they're better or more deep or less deep. They're just different. It's a different role. It's a different way to connect with people and help kids and help families. Um, and it's really fulfilling in all of those aspects. Uh and I think co-teaching is almost the same way to where they they get to be. Well, I, I guess they get to be a lot of things, but I guess on some instances, they can really be just like the that support in the class that kids see mm-hmm. as someone who's literally there just to help them. Like they like kids don't really understand, especially in middle school. They don't really understand what co-teachers are like. They don't understand why there's two teachers in a class like they don't understand kind of the backing of that. So these educators have this chance. Yeah, they have to be there, but they also have this chance to really bounce off of the actual teacher and play to their strengths or weaknesses, depending on the relationship, you know, like, uh, I was really good. Like for instance, when I, when Bannister was in my class, I would, you know, I would kind of push the more, I don't know, maybe the rigorous side, so to speak. And she was really good about just corralling like kind of the, the more angsty groups and put them in and kind of teach on their level. And so they started really loving that time with her. And I think that's really interesting to where it's not good cop, bad cop. It's, it's this person is really good at this. So let them kind of shine here. And the teacher's really mm-hmm. good at this. And I think the issue is when you're jumping into uh, a co-taught situation is really, I think the worst case scenario in almost every instance is just when personalities collide. I mean, would you say that's, that's probably the biggest detriment to that process? Yeah. And I think it's, it's also when the personalities collide and a lot of times they collide because um, I think a lot of times the, the classroom teacher, the one that's actually in the classroom every day, um, if that person is not open to allowing the co-teacher to help, uh, cause I've seen that too. Cause as an academic coach, I had to train the co-teachers and I had to have meetings with them and all of that. That was before I think I started working with you. That was one of my jobs, um, that they had given me. And so I would have meetings with all the co-teachers and I'd go in and I'd have to actually watch them co-teach and they'd have to try different, different areas. So, I mean, there's different, at least six different things that you could try as a co-teacher. If you really ran that, you can divide the class into two, you know, and then um, actually I teach the lesson. And let's say you're my co-teacher, you would teach the lesson to half the class. 
especially in a large class, that's kind of a nice thing. But the problem is our co-teachers don't have time to be with us. You know, they're, they're busy during our conference period. They're busy helping another class. And so to, to really make that work, you got to figure out how to align the instruction so they know what to do when they come in. Um, another one uh, example that they wanted us to try when I was doing this was where one would teach, the other one would take documentation, and then you would allow the co-teacher to actually teach as well uh, a lesson, and y'all would share the responsibilities of actually leading the mini lessons. And the reason you would do that was so that all the students would see that co-teacher as an equal teacher, which, um, you know, especially in a classroom like that. But a lot of times those co-teachers um, in our, my, my experience is they're usually pretty new teachers. A lot of times, like, uh, your Miss Bannister was just coming in. That's what she was doing. And they don't feel comfortable in leading the instruction. They, they feel more comfortable in helping you with the instruction or supporting that student. But a lot of times what I think a big problem is, is the co-teachers don't know what you're doing until you walk in the room and then they got to not only help that student, but they got to figure out what your lesson is. And like, there's been a few times because we hadn't had a chance to meet, we'll walk in and go, what are we doing today? Well, I mean, I'm trying to teach the class. Now I have to teach you first what, what we're about to do. And then so that kind of messes up the, the flow. So one thing when I do that, reading at the beginning and writing at the beginning, that helps a lot because the kids will get busy. She knows immediately now to to go in and start helping. And once we help those students, uh, then I'll tell her what we're about to do, you know, so I'll even meet with her during that time. Uh, so those are some things that I'm doing. But I think I think definitely when you're not getting along with that person, it just makes it makes it for a miserable hour or two hours. But I had one co-teacher, he's now a principal at one of our local schools uh, in our district. He just got moved into that position this year, but he was my co-teacher years ago and uh, he was great because what he would do is I might, let's say it would be like teaching about, I don't know, uh, subject and predicate, right? Two parts of a sentence. He would come right in right behind me and he would re-explain it or he would give examples. So he would he was really good at coming up with models and examples. So I would give the instruction and then he would write it on the board in a way that they would just really understand it. But that was his, he was really good about that. Like he would find the example that was just perfect for them uh, in order to understand the concept. And so we kind of tag teamed off of each other and it just became really natural. He was probably one of the easiest ones I've ever worked with. And he was, he, he just would accept everything that, that I did. And we would talk about it. And he, if there was a student that needed, had an issue, then we would together, he would come to me and go, okay, what do you think? How should we work with this student? And so we would actually plan ahead. And that was probably the best time I ever had was when we could actually plan ahead to help these students. You know, what's interesting is one of the, <clears throat> I don't know why I remember this so well, um, but our, the principal that retired, who I'm going to get her on Teach Me Teacher one day. She refuses. She I refuses. I don't know why these people are so afraid to get on a mic and talk for a little bit. It's not that scary. But we, uh, um, she had talked about in a staff meeting that a lot of our co-teachers were wanting to teach. And so she was basically advocating for using uh, 
co-teachers in a more teacherly way. And I think that's, I remember that because I, I remember it setting up such an interesting thought process of to, you know, teaching is so personal that if you're, I mean, if you're someone who, you know, listens to a podcast like this or let alone supports a show like this monetarily, then you're someone who is deeply passionate about this work. You're someone who, right. who cares on a big level. You want all you can get. Um, you care about finding your people because not everyone is as passionate as everyone else. And so when someone walks into your space, even if they're the best person in the world, you're still protective of your space. I, I think that is just undeniable. I think more people are, some people are really capable of switching that, I suppose, and being really open to uh, having someone else kind of run things a little bit. But, you know, people like me, I know I was very protective of it. Um, and I had to really trust who was in my space to let them do what they do. And, uh, you know, and it's, it's challenging. And I, I have advised a few people over the years to like, I know one of our, our partner last year, you know, there was a point where she was struggling with a few things and I was like, you know, what? communicate like you're the, like you said, a lot of the teachers in these, these spaces are newer, not all of them. Um, and so depending on who you're working with, like, I think having those conversations about, Hey, you know, like I see us as partners here, but this is, <clears throat> this is our classroom. We're going to focus on reading. We're going to focus on writing and Tracy's, you know, example, we're going to focus on this class novel. We're going to do a lot of guided writing. So how do we, how do you want to be a part of this? Are you comfortable with this? Or do you have any questions about it? Um, and really, I feel like having those discussions raises uh, just the ability for you to work with someone in your space. But they, I don't know, I feel like they probably don't happen that often. I mean, um, it's kind of a weird conversation. And I think there's a little a power, not a power struggle, but just a power dynamic um, whether perceived or real that may hinder that, that combination. But it sounds like you kind of achieved that with your co-teacher. Yeah. I mean, I think, but it took a second. It was, it was kind of, now I, I will say that my class, that's really, really rough. She had one person in there that she had, she was supposed to come in and that person has actually moved. So she's no longer needed in that classroom, but she would try to be the heavy in there. And that's the group that's that my that's my really rough group. And um, I, what I noticed was anybody who came into that room besides me just made it worse. And it's, they were trying to help, but it just made it worse. And so they finally, I just, I finally, I didn't say don't come back, <laughs> you know, because I needed her in the other class. She was the the kids are real responsive to her in the other class, but this one. It didn't matter who it was. I mean, even the principal came in, it just made it worse. And so partially because they get so frustrating that you, they want to yell at them. And this particular group, I think they get yelled at all the time. And so it means absolutely nothing to them. So I get better results when I just stop and I wait now, I don't recommend that all the time, but that's the only way I get this group. And then and then I get my notebook, my rocket book, so that I can put it into my computer 
for my documentation. Thank you, Jacob. And I just start writing their names down and I'll tell them today I'm writing down who's working right now. I've got about three of you. Thank you. <laughs> I do kind of like that. Y'all, she's writing her names down. <laughs> I don't know why that works, but she's doing it now. She went and got the book. And so sometimes I'll, I'll tell them I'm writing down those who are needing to start. These are the people that I'm gonna have to call home about tonight. You know, I, yeah, I'll let them know what I'm, what I'm recording or right now I'm making observations on who's reading because my grade will depend on these notes today. And so, and then I'll stop and I'll just sit there and kind of watch them. But if I stay calm with them, it works. But when you bring someone else in there that you you know, that doesn't realize that and they start going. So what they'll do instead of waiting for that person, they'll go over there and go, Henry, start working, you know, and then next thing you know, they're all the first person to do that. It, it doesn't work. So, but in this other class, um, she'll come in and I think it's because, um, and you know, we've talked about it because all last year and the year before, you know, you and I've talked about it, even on this podcast that I don't have a problem switching it up, but when you have a co-teacher, it's easier to keep it the same. At least my, my morning, the first, when they walk in is the same. I mean, it's, it's Monday, Wednesday, we read Tuesday, Thursday, we write. She's never in there on Friday. So on Friday, it's their choice. They get to either write or read whatever they're working on when they walk in. But Monday, so she knows that on Monday, when I walk in, they're already reading. And so what we've worked out is the conferences that we want to do. She goes around and asks questions. I go around and ask questions and we conference with reading and writing. We kind of see whichever one it is. So that's one thing that we do at the beginning. And then and then she'll say, what are we working on? So we'll figure out a way to meet. And then I explain to her what we're about to do. And I'll tell her how she can help me. Or she, or if it's a test, she'll just automatically take those kids and work with them. You know, we'll put them in a group. So it just depends. But yeah, I think we've worked it out pretty well this particular year. Uh, I know that you and I have co-taught a little bit. Mm -hmm. Remember when you did those uh, literature circles and you mm -hmm. gave me that one group? Yep. We read um, we read Flora. Yep. And Ulysses with that group. And a, a deceptively complex novel, by the way. Yes, it was. And the kids were. But we <laughs> I think they liked it, you know, and uh, but we you know, you let me that was the group I think you were struggling with and they were your lowest group. Is that right? Yep. So we kind of grouped them based on their abilities. And I took that group for you. So we just kind of talked ahead. You pretty much let me have them and do what I needed to with them. Well, and you know, there's two things I want to say about that. One, one of the kids in that group, I won't say his name on here, but he, uh, I saw him at a, a game like a year ago. Oh yeah. He, oh, he wow. was just there in the audience and he was, he was super stoked that, that group, they, th I, those 20 kids have no idea. The, <laughs> In fact, they had because I was only there for a little bit and then I was gone and now they're off. Mm -hmm. You know, they're, they're doing things. I'm sure I'll run into a few of them eventually. But uh, that that group is so solidified in my mind for both good and bad reasons. It was just that was a <laughs> weird year. Definitely the weirdest year in education I ever had. But um, in any case that so they what's funny about that group um and what we did kind of with our co-teaching and the kind of the birth of craft and draft through all of that was 
those kids, a lot of them, you know, for people that don't know, I think our Patreon supporters probably do know, but it was real. It was a class that I asked for, uh, during literacy coaching, I was like, I remember talking with you and I was like, man, I really need a class to kind of practice this stuff and, and kind of maybe be a model classroom. And then like a week later I told you, I was like, Hey, I'm getting a class. And you were like, no so way. <laughs> so mad. I'm like, I knew they didn't like me. <laughs> it was, it was, it was an interesting time, but it was, and this was before you and I were really getting close to when that happened. This was kind of yeah, early in the year. So we, uh, so I ended up getting the class and then she set it up. Our principal set it up to where it was really the a spectrum from the lowest to literally the highest in 20 kids. And so it was, it just created really difficult things for many lessons and everything else. But at the end of the year, you know, I didn't get every one of those kids to pass that state test. But every kid in that classroom showed growth, every single one of them right. um, that you could chart, uh, both on the state level and just in my class. And that that, that just shows one. It, it reminds you that the state test isn't the be all end all, because if a kid's making 20s, odds are you're not going to get them up to state level uh, within a year. You can. But, you know, the odds are kind of stacked against you in some of that, you know, but you can get a 20 up to a 40, a 20 up to a 50, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um and so that's a that's I think we always got to remind ourselves of that. But truthfully, I think the co-taught classroom and really that should have been one always. And I'm glad we started working together because a co-taught classroom is because there's so many needs that need to be specifically handled that it requires mm-hmm. another human. That That's the whole point of the class. Right. Right. And so the more you can play to that. I think it's all the better. I remember my first year, uh, which I should do all. We, we should do an episode where we talk about our early years and just and just talk about stories because I have so oh, I have, I've got some. Oh my god, I know you do. I I, I have several. And it's funny because those kids are, you know, but I get both of them. I guess, but they're all adults, right? So I have I have a few from my first year who you know they're like. 22, 21, 22 right now, 23. No, 22, I think is the oldest. Mine are in their forties. Right. So they, uh, <laughs> I think I even have some that are now in their fifties. Oh. Yay. So they, but that group, you know, they're adults. And so, you know, I, I, I talk with them. Uh, some of them have reached out via social media. So I keep up with their lives and stuff. It's really interesting to see where they're at now, you know, off in college or some of them are in military and things like that. But, uh, that first year, I didn't know what I was doing. And we had hired at our school. Our social studies scores were so low that they got a, this is before I came on, but they hired uh, what's called, I don't know what the position was called. It was a, it was a title one funded position, right? But it was basically like a social studies aid. <laughs> essentially, <laughs> she works at your campus now. Um, she's still one of the social studies teachers. She's related to. Oh, uh, I know who it is. Yes. She's teaching sixth grade. Mm -hmm. Yes, I do believe so. So when she first started there, she had taught a lot of years before that. She was a coach in other places she'd been teaching. But by the time she got there, she was kind of being like the social studies aide. And so my partner at the time had only four classes and the rest of hers was she had a coaching period, a conference period, a PLC period, and then an off period. Talk about a schedule. And Mm -hmm. so my classes were full and what would happen is there was so much room on the other side of the portable is that she would, she started just coming and taking groups of my kids and essentially doing like small, what you were doing in your office or our office, I guess, but 
with the kids that we were co-teaching. So my first year I had experiences with that where she would take these kids and she was teaching way better than me. I think she was, I don't know how many years she had been teaching by that point, maybe 10 or 12. Um, so she had a lot of years on her belt and she was great. And I overly used her. So in one sense, a co-teacher can be really powerful for people like me oh, yeah. who jumped in and really didn't know what they were doing. Um, I also had another co-teacher that year who's incredible. His wife still works in the district. She's one of the social studies coordinators. You can probably connect the dots there, but uh, mm-hmm. I love their family. They're both brilliant. I've worked with both of them. I in taught different their capacities. kids. Did you really? Yeah, I taught their oldest. Yeah, the, I you know what? You One about. of them would be fun Brilliant. to bring on. They're they're Brilliant. they're a really eclectic family. I love them a lot. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. they, uh, he so the guy who was my co teacher, he had such strong relationships with kids, and he was so good at just being a positive presence. I remember. I mean, I was a, I just had no idea what I was doing in social studies, but he was so encouraging of some of the brighter parts. Like I knew I wanted kids to have great conversations, right? I knew I wanted kids to write. And I was even early on, I remember, uh, my academic coach at the time who became my AP, Stacey Hammer, also my high school teacher, et cetera, et cetera, life, lifetime mentor. She'd come in and she goes, it's amazing that you're already mixing genres. I go, what do you mean? She was like, well, you're, you're referencing Ayn Rand in the early U.S. history doc, because remember, I was a U.S. history teacher. Mm-hmm. And so I was referencing some of the stuff that Ayn Rand was talking about. You know, she's very individualistic, very objective. But her ideas come really directly from that era of thinking that kind of spawned a lot of the independence talk of the United States. Anyway, not to bore the English podcast <laughs> with that piece, but... The point was, is I was always gravitating towards mixing all of these things. That's always been kind of my style is going, what, what can I merge together to make something new? And the best people who have been in my classroom were people who they didn't praise everything I did because not everything I did was praiseworthy, but they praised that good, those good pieces. And so, and they supported them. So on one end, I view co-teachers as these amazing boons to people like me who really didn't know what they were doing in a classroom needed support, needed encouragement, but also really needed someone who kind of knew what they were doing a little bit more than me to kind of help me when the wheels fell off, so to speak. And they, they very much did that. But on another point is I feel like co-teachers, they, they're, their strength outside of that. And I, I, they have a lot of strengths. I don't want, I don't want to boil it down too much, but really what I see them as is just, uh, someone with another pair of eyes in a complex classroom, especially today, Uh you know, Tracy's talking about, these are the worst behaved kids that she's ever had. You know, the most, they have the most challenges. They've always struggled. I think many teachers feel that way. But what happens in this co-teach classroom is it's almost like someone else you get to debrief with. It's like, okay, so mm-hmm. what the heck was going on with Johnny and Susie? Oh, yeah. Right. Or alone. or what the heck was going on in that back corner all day? Right. And it's as a teacher, there's a lot of things that you're doing. You're processing information. You're you're trying to guide the ship with all the holes in it. You're trying to get it to where it needs to go. Um, and so that's what you're contemplating and what you're really focused on. And a co-teacher 
is a part of that, but they're also so much more engaged. It's the same way when you go in and observe a classroom, you're going to see things that a teacher is not going to see just by being another pair of eyes. And so for me, if I was back in the classroom and I had a co-teacher that like one of my main priorities I would said is, Hey, like we don't have to do it every day, but maybe on really great days or really bad days, or maybe once a week, can we just debrief? And, and discuss, hey, what have you what are you seeing? Like, hey, these are our four kids that really need extra support. So what are you seeing in the classroom? How does it look when direct instruction is happening? How does it look when independent reading or independent writing or whole group novels going and just have those conversations and use them as a data point. Right. And I think that can I think that's amazing, especially if they're experienced. But even if they're a new teacher, I think teaching that process with them. Mm-hmm. as gathering data at all times, treating every piece of information as data. I think that's something that can train teachers to really be great at it. But I think it brings so much value to their their presence in a classroom. I don't know. What do you think? Oh, no, I think so. As a matter of fact, when I did that training, that was one of the things is, one, you, you know, use each other to gather data. Um but yeah, I know I've had some of that already this year. It's like, I, I don't know what's going on with that kiddo. Don't worry, I'll go find out. Well, because of their access, you know, my co-teacher and, and the access to the data that she has, you know, because she's like case manager with some of these people, you know what I'm saying? And she can come in and give me insight. I had one situation where this boy who's always pretty good but all of a sudden threw a book got mad angry and I'm like what's going on well she had some of those like siblings right and she had learned that that boy had gotten their family got evicted and so they were homeless didn't know where to go and that had just happened. Well, of course he's angry. He didn't have all of his stuff. The reason he didn't have his stuff is because guess what got thrown out. And um, so that kind of thing. So, so I know that may not be, you know, that's more of a social situation or, you know, an, an emotional need, but they can help you on all of those aspects because these kids, they come in with so much baggage, some of them, especially our kids, because, well, it's a title one school, you know that, and they, they struggle. You told me that they would struggle and they're, they're a pretty tough group in that sense. If you're not used to it, then you're, you know, the type of struggles that they have, uh, then, you know, it it is good to have a co-teacher in there to help you see those things that can understand these kids deeper and then say, Hey, this is what's going on with this kid. I'll deal with them today. You just go ahead and you'll work with these others and I'll work with this one. And you just kind of quietly make a plan and, and uh, you know, or vice versa. Sometimes, like I said, um, there's some that I respond really well with in there that, that they're like, you know, she's got to be careful. Cause they'll say, she'll, they'll tell her, get away from me. You know, that kind of, you know, so, uh, but there's one that's always mad at me, but she just can somehow, you know, unwind that person and uh, find out exactly why. And uh, right now, our biggest issue right now is the fact that she's not been there and the kids are going, but I need her now. <laughs> yeah. When is she coming back? And I'm like, well, I'm okay. I-, I can help you. No, you can't. You don't understand. She does though. Cause she, she's here to help me. Well, actually that person there is not why she's in there, but they don't know that. 
I mean, this, uh, my co-teachers good enough. They don't know. She helps them all. She makes sure she takes care of her kiddos first. You know, she understands their needs and she helps me work with them. But then on these other kids, she'll step right in and they think they're, they don't, they don't even have an IEP or anything, but they think she's in there just for them. That's how good she is. <laughs> but now they're like, no, you can't help me. She can though. And I'm like, well, you're going to have to wait a little bit longer because she's just been real sick. So one of those things that happens, but uh, our kids, as you told me earlier, they don't deal with change very well. So this has really been right here approaching the holidays and stuff. And then kind of a missing gap, but they get used to having the kid, the te- the kids get used to having both of you in there. Well, and it's and really a good thing in the long run. You know, it's been so interesting to see. And I don't, I don't know if this is high school or if it's just the district that I'm in now. Right. Mm-hmm. And this is, this is one of the shining moments, truthfully, 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 one of the, the brightest moments as a, <clears throat> as a principal, as a leader, as a, as a, person who cares about schools is seeing a lot of our co-teachers are also the case managers of our kids mm-hmm. with 504s and IEPs. And mm-hmm. I know that I know that is a thing, but it, I've never experienced it at this level, right? Because I'm in 504s, I'm in ARDS all the time. Oh, yeah, that's true. Right? Like I do, we schedule ARDS basically Monday through Thursday, essentially. They kind of leave Monday and Friday's light for obvious reasons, but we do. So I'm doing anywhere. Like some days I can do four yards in a day and two five Oh fours. Right. Like if mm-hmm. like that'd be a really busy day, but on average, you know, it can be two to three a day, depending, especially kind of at the beginning of the year. And what's been really cool is sitting in those meetings and watching these co-teachers be able, they're always the positive presence. Always. Uh-huh. They're, they're the ones who see the kids the most. They interact with them so much. Um, and it's not saying that teachers don't, it's just that co-teachers have good co-teachers have such specific relationships with kids that just really can't be matched when, when they're doing what they're supposed to be doing, when they're serving as that extra support. Right. And that's what the the whole goal is that teacher to be that. And so it's super cool to be sitting in these, these ARDS and a lot of those kids don't have a lot of confidence anyway, because, you know, I'm in high school now. So by the time they get to where we are, you know, just, just think of all Uh the bad experiences that kids have had. We talk about that all the time in Mm -hmm. middle school, by high school, it's just kind of doubled depending on their, their luck with teachers and administrators and everything else. And so what these people get to do is they sit there and they go, Hey man, I know you're growing here. I know you're growing there. And then when we talk about schedules, they get to go, you know what? I know you've talked about this and here's kind of your two options. Personally, I think you should lean this way. And they kind of explain, but it's so cool to watch someone really know a kid and offer so much guidance and wisdom and support. If the kid decides to do something that they don't think might be the best schedule decision, they, you know, they still have those conversations and support them because ultimately kids are going to decide what they want to decide. But it's that relationship piece that I think is so powerful. And so for Tracy or for anyone who's struggling, this is kind of my wrap up on this, which is for anyone who may be struggling or finding out ways to heighten this, this, this relationship you have with another educator in your space is just remind yourselves about all the things that they're doing, find ways to honor those and then build we talk about building your procedures to honor the work of workshop, right? That's, that's one of the things Mm -hmm. of craft and draft. The whole point of the two journals system is to really 
build that relationship between reading and writing in a way that's tangible for almost anyone who walks into your space. That's the whole goal of Crafted Draft. And so I think taking that philosophy and going, how do I take this, this co-teach environment and build the procedures, the perspective, the habits with this person to not only give them the fulfillment that they need as an educator, but to really capitalize on what it means to have another adult in the space. Right. And how, and that might mean letting go of some control because if they're like, if I was a co-teacher, I would want some control in the classroom. It's just who I am. Right. And so if you put me in a class where I don't have that, which was the case when I was a literacy coach, actually, right. Mm -hmm. I would walk into a space and almost all of them wanted me to kind of be the babysitter in that role. Right. And take the Mm -hmm. parts that they didn't want to do. I didn't want to do that. And so that destroyed my cup. Like it didn't even not (laughs) fill it. It broke the whole thing. And I was done by Christmas. Right. Like I I didn't share that until later, but I walked into our boss's office, but right before Christmas break on that half day. And I said, Hey, when do I start liking this job? And so (laughs) that was my legit question. And she goes, well, (laughs) and so, but that, but that's what can happen. And so as a teacher in the space, you don't want to do that to your co-teachers, especially if your co-teachers are really passionate or good at what they do. So figure out what they, what it makes them tick. Is it really helping kids? Is it the content? Is it, they want a little bit more control of the classroom, figure that out and figure out how that works into your space, but also bring them into the fold. More than likely, Tracy, your co-teacher probably isn't as engaged in a reading and writing workshop. Most people aren't. And so bringing them into that magic of, Hey, this is what we're doing. This is what we're going for. This is where we're shooting and have that relationship. And I I think you're, you'll be golden eventually. Like I'm not gonna say it's changed overnight and not every co-teacher is meant to be co-teacher. Not every co-teacher is amazing. Like I said, I've had amazing ones. I've also had ones I Mm -hmm. hope stayed in the corner. Uh, if that's the case, then, you know, it really comes down to mitigating the damage they do to your classroom, honestly. But I think most people are at least competent and you can start really bringing them into the fold. And I think the more you do that, the more you figure out what makes them tick, how to use them, how to utilize that in the workshop. I think you're going to set yourself up and your kids for uh, some some positive stuff to share, especially with us. So if that happens, let me know. But Pam, any any last words on co-teachers? No, but when you're talking about bringing them into the fold. One of the things that I do is, is I provide a spot and let them know that there's a spot for them to lay down their things. And I know that's very simple, but it means a lot, I think. And if they choose not to use it, they choose not to use it. But I do have a place and I tell my teacher um, here, I know that you're in here you know, on these days and you need a place for your things and a place to sit down if you need to, to work. And you go ahead and immediately let them know where that work can happen uh, for them so that they do have a space in your room. That's one thing that I've learned. Um, that's very helpful. It, it just makes them feel more comfortable. At least they know that you don't mind them being in there. And that to me is from a controlling, because you do need control, but you can, can give them a little bit of space so that's that they feel more point. comfortable. That's a great mm-hmm. point. So that's just, that's it. And I, and I would just say, you know, how I kind of started was do the same thing every day at the beginning. And then, you know, so that everybody knows your system. And then I include them in the workshop, uh, in the conferences. 
that's a great place to get them started to help you with your workshop is help them with your conferences. And that is it for this bonus episode. But two amazing points, giving them a space. That's a great idea. Now, come to think of it, the best co-teachers at my campus, they usually have a little space, at least in the classroom that they're in the most. Right. So right. bounce around. But that's a great idea. So, Tracy, hopefully that works for you. Let us know. I know you will. You're one of our more active people in the Patreon. But there's so many of you. Shout out to Jen and Lori again for joining the fold. Uh, guys, I want to remind you, we have our training coming up January 7th, all about strategies to deeper or to deepening engagement in the reading and writing workshop. It's going to be a super fun time. We're doing it just like last time. We're going to do a live Zoom where you guys can be invited. We'll record it just in case you cannot make it. We haven't nailed down an exact time yet, so we will let you know uh, when that is. We just kind of want to play around with it, see where we are at. But for those of you at the listener plus tier, you guys get an invite already. So don't worry about it. We're going to send you the links and everything once those are ready to go. If you are a listener listening to this bonus episode, all you have to do is just you get the discount rather than paying the full 25, just the 20 to join via Venmo, just like last time, which you guys can do. If you have any questions, concerns about that, thoughts, shoot those our way. We'll get you ready this has been a wonderful bonus episode send us a question comments concerned we can answer more uh guys we're gonna be diving in but we're closing out 2022 very soon so thank you for joining us for yet another year of craft and draft although this isn't the final one so i won't uh won't get too sappy just yet but know that we are here for you 